Well, hello, everybody. It's Michael. It's time for Talk Shop, and this is going to be Volume 2. Volume 1 was recorded, and um, I have put it out, but uh, we haven't published it really, so we're still kind of working on it, but we decided we'd go ahead and record Volume 2. And with Volume 2, I've decided that the best format for this is guest formats. So with me today, I have I have the honor to have the one and only Keith Verlack. Keith Verlack, and for the three people that are listening to this, if there's one person that's in a Porsche club, then you definitely know Keith because it rhymes with teeth. teeth uh, Keith, Keith Teeth is a former president. How many times? Three times San Diego region president. Three times. Some of us can't even get on the board and uh, somebody's been a president three times. So a past three-time president of San Diego uh, Porsche Club, and he is currently the chairman. Is that the correct term or president? I'm president of San Diego British Car Club Council. Sounds pretty fancy. There's only three people in the whole club, but it it sounds good, though. Anyhow. Good fun. Welcome, sir. Thank Thank you you for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. So for you that are new to Talk Shop, which is everybody, this is the podcast where we talk about a little bit of everything uh, but politics. So uh, today we're mainly going to be talking about cars, uh, and whether that's Porsches or otherwise, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, and in case you didn't pick up, Keith has kind of a funny accent. Um, so, you know, his English is a little off. So if you have problems understanding him, I'll do the best I can in post-editing, but, you know, I can only do so much. I get that a lot because I'm from El Cajon, and I think the accent from El Cajon is a very distinguished accent. That's exactly right, as we sit here uh, in East County. So, for you that don't know, we're broadcasting from a small shop here in Blossom Valley, which is east of El Cajon, California. And that's where Blossom Valley Detailing, our one and only sponsor for this podcast, is also located. And remember, if you need any kind of detailing done from a simple wash to a maintenance wash to paint correction or ceramic coating, Blossom Coating, Blossom Coating, Blossom Detail is your detailer to hook up. www.blossomvalleydetailing.com will take care of you. So, Keith, how did you end up in America? Well, I was in the UK, did a Ministry of Defense apprenticeship. Too many apprenticeships in America, but in the UK, they're very common. People come into the company and go through various parts of the company training sessions. And I was with the Ministry of Defense, um, did a four-year apprenticeship with them, and I worked at Rolls-Royce in Derby. And I was working at the time as a contractor in Belfast, a Short Brothers uh, aerospace company. And um, a company came over from California to work with Short Brothers, and I saw all these American guys, and I got talking to them as I worked them all the time. And uh, they said, oh, would you be interested in going to San Diego? Well, I'd never heard of San Diego, so I said, sure, I'm happy to. Well, bottom line is the contract I was working on at Shorts closed down. So these American guys said, if you're interested, send me your resume. So I did. Long story short, I went for an interview in London, fancy hotel, interviewed by three English guys who are currently working in San Diego. And they invited me to go over and work at Raw down in Chula Vista. So I worked there for 33 years in aerospace. Uh, Raw is a company that makes aerospace nacelles, which is the pod around an aircraft engine. And I went from design to project engineering to project management and ended up at the end of 33 years working in the chief engineer's office, uh, working with quality and continuous improvement. 
So during that tenure, I uh, picked up several cars, as I've always been a car fan. When I was in England, I got my first Porsche when I was 26, and I've had seven Porsches over the years. And I, the longest car I had was an, an RS America, which is the Rennsport version of a 911. And I had it for 20 years, and I just got rid of it about six years ago. So for the people that don't know what a Rennsport edition would be, what exactly would that be? Well, Porsche liked to run in racing in Germany, and Rennsport in German literally means race sport. Um, what happens is in order for Porsche to run in a class for street cars, they have to sell at least 500 cars to Joe Public, and then they can put that car on the track. So this car was the Rennsport version, which was stripped down, lightweight, had four options, whereas the regular 911 Porsche had 61 options. So it had air conditioning, sunroof, limited slip diff, and radio, I think, was the other one. But anyway, it was really low, low modification car, and it was used on the track by everybody everywhere. They used to do lots of amateur autocrosses and going to big tracks. So I had one of those. Um, I ran the RS America registry within Porsche Club of America. There were only 700 ever made, and in my registry I had like 510 of them. So I had a large portion of them. And my car was unusual. It was one of only four in yellow. It was a Ferrari light yellow. So the Rennsport RS is a limited edition Porsche, two years only, 93 and 94. And I had that for 20 years. And you and bought that new? No, I bought it when it was about eight years old. It was a 93 car. I bought it when it was eight years old. And I think I paid 36000 for it. And I sold it three or four years ago for 120000 So I felt like I had a lot of fun with it, did a lot of driving with it, and came out ahead. But uh, Why'd you sell it? I sold it because I bought a later model. I bought a GT3. So in my garage, I had two 911s for about four or five years. And I found that gradually the RS America was getting less and less use. And I had it as like jewelry. I used to take it out very rarely now and then. One day I was in driving in town and there was an accident happened all around me. And by absolute miracle, my car was not touched or damaged in any way. And I thought, you know, that's how this car's going to die. I've had it 20 years, and someone else is going to smack into it. So I thought it was valuable, so I took it up to Monterey, and I auctioned it. And as I said, I got 120000 for it. So that was four or five years ago. I was pretty happy with that. I thought Bruce Wing bought it. No, 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 no. no. Mine, was a, uh, mine was a yellow one. Bruce Wing has a black car. It says RS America, same. So he's got his. Oh, he's still, he's still got his one, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Well, he's got a lot of cars, so. Yeah, he's one of those... Uh, Guys with large bullets, but he's a nice guy, really nice guy. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I thought he had bought your car. So currently, so after you, you the GT3 that you're driving now is the car that you that replaced the uh, RS America, the RS America, correct. And you bought the, you didn't buy the GT3 new, you bought that one used. Yep, I've never bought a new car in my life. I've had something like 18 cars, I've never bought a new one. Um, I, I guess hear that. I have, I've owned one. One. Stacy and I have owned one brand new car, the Jag. Yep. It's the only new car we ever bought. Well, it's a case of when you're on a budget, you hate to lose like 20% of the car's <laughs> value when you buy it. Let somebody else eat that appreciation. I hear exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a new car person. Uh, yeah, I don't want to drive it off the lot. And it's like, yep, there goes, yeah, 20% right there. Exactly. Um, but... So besides, so you've had the the GT three, uh, 
But you haven't had any other Porsches besides the GT3. Yes, I have. I had uh, Carrera 3, which is my first Porsche. It's basically the original Porsche Turbo, but without the turbocharger. So and what year was that one? That was 76 Carrera 3. And then I had a, another 911, a 911 SC, and I had, that was in the UK. And I came over here and I bought a 3-litre, 3.2-litre Porsche here. I've had a whole string of them over here in the Porsche Club, and usually most, most of the time I use them for autocross. The reason I use an autocross, it's one car on the track at a time. You're not trying to run past other people. Other people aren't throwing rocks at you, which is what happens at big tracks. I took the RS America to the track a few times, but to be honest with you, I think even if you drive carefully and studiously, one year on the track is about the same as five years wear and tear on the road. And I keep my cars in immaculate condition. I always try and detail them or have them detailed so they look really, really good. In fact, the car I have now, the GT3, its 10-year birthday is... Uh, no, it's actually 14 years old now. It's 14 years old, so it's 2007. But people think it's about four or five years old. Cause, uh, I've had it ceramic coated. Yeah, it's by, beautiful. It's by, a beautiful yeah. car. Thank you. I've had it ceramic coated, and I've had uh, detail work done here and keeps it tip-top. I find if you keep a car... In tip-top condition, if you get after it fairly regularly, it's something you cherish. You can keep it there really, really well. But you have to have a professional start you off, otherwise you'll make all kinds of mess of it. And that's where I came to Blossom Valley Detailing. Ooh, quick plug for the company. So how many miles are on the GT3? 50,000, 51,000, I'll say. So my story with the GT3 is when Stacy and I were looking we, we have not had near as many Porsches, uh, but we had a 718S manual. It was a 2017. I bought that. It was my first Porsche. I bought that off a gentleman. It had 1,500 miles on it. He bought it from the dealership, new, at the end of the model year. I bought it from him, and I remember I asked him, I said, uh, it's got 1,500 miles on it. Why are you selling it? He goes, I've got a one-year-old, and I thought, you didn't know you had a one-year-old before you bought the damn car? I mean, really? But whatever, his loss, my gain. Um, I got a good price on it. But we, at that time, that's when I had the I had the Aston, I had the Mustang, um, and I wanted to get another Porsche. And, of course, Stacy was like, something's got to go. So I sold that Boxster, and I liked it. Um, but... When I talked to you about buying either a Turbo S or a GT3, you were like, oh, well, you need to go out and drive a GT3, so go take mine. And how many people are just letting you go drive a beautiful, and, and it is immaculate. And, you know, coming from a detailer, the car is fucking immaculate. Um, so Stace and I took it out, and Keith warned me, you know, it's, it's, it's a street race car. It's a street legal race car. That's what the, If you don't know anything about Porsches, that's what a GT3 is. If you see some guy just pissing around on it, then he's not driving it right because they are a street legal race car and that's what they do so we took it out and they're stiff and we drove it keith's like oh yeah just go take it for a couple hours and we did and had a, a lot of fun but at the end of the drive stacy's like yeah no not these seats not the suspension not gonna happen so that's what we decided um i had not driven a turbo s and i called hoen and I said, hey, do you have a Turbo S up there we can drive? Yeah, we got one. So we went up, and Hoenn, I don't know how San Diego does it, but Hoenn puts a, puts 
a salesman in a car in front of you and you follow him. So Stacey and I got in that car and followed him and he doesn't really get on it very much. But we came to a point where we needed to switch drivers and I told Stacey, I said, hey, you need to come over and drive. And she's like, no, no, I'm not driving. I go, we're not going to buy this car not this one, but we're not going to buy a Turbo S and you not drive it. You have to drive it. So she gets it in. We have radios. And a guy takes off and she's driving it. She leans over. She goes, can you make him go a little faster? I said, well, yeah, we can make him go a little faster. So that's how we ended up with the Turbo S. Um, and that's, uh, of course, love that car. Um, anyhow, um, so talk to us a little bit about your time in a Porsche club. When did you join the Porsche club? Well, I joined the Porsche club. Let's Porsche see. club of San Diego. There's, so in case you don't know, there's Porsche club, big Porsche club of America. There's National. worldwide Porsche club. And then each zone, there's zones. And then there's, I don't know, you'll call them cities. I regions. mean, regions. regions. Yeah. And region, the region we're in eight. Yeah, we're in Zone 8, which zone eight. colors all of Southern California. And then the San Diego region. Right. Which, didn't you tell me, is like the largest or one of the... It's, we have, have 3,000 members. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, there are probably 150 different regions, and each region is based on a city. And then all the regions get together into a zone. So, like, Zone 8 is Southern California, and that's all part of PCA National. So, I've been in PCA San Diego region which has about 3,000 members, and I think we're either third or fourth largest. There's some on the East Coast which have a very, very large area to cover, and in that large area you can harvest a lot of Porsche owners. But most of the East Coast boys, they they don't run in the winter because you have snow and salt and all that kind of stuff. So you come over to California, and there's quite a lot of Porsches. In fact, I read something from Porsche regarding... This was in the year 2017. They said 50% of Porsches that they manufacture are sent to America. And of the ones that come to America, almost 50% go to Southern California. So it's something like... Wow, really? Yeah, it's something like 20, 25% of the cars ever made by Porsche go to Southern California. Well, I guess that makes... I don't know if it makes sense, but I mean... You can drive them year round, so that's I, I always see that in the in the Facebook pages that I follow. You know, oh, putting the car away for the winter. I'm like, well, in Germany, I don't think they put them away for the winter. I mean, they are a German made. I understand that maybe you're a shit winter driver and you don't want to drive your Porsche, but it's not like you can't drive. I mean, Christ, if you have a Turbo S, it is an all wheel drive car technically, so. <laughs> it should be able to pull just about anything you want to do except a snow drift. Well, the problem with driving in the winter is you might be the best driver in your state, your city, whatever. But yeah. All the other people Everybody are else sliding sucks. around in yeah. the snow. You know, True you enough. Know, do I want to take my $100,000 car out and have people sliding into it in Toyota, Toyota pickups, etc.? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. So when were you first president of the club? Um, I joined in 96, and in 98, I was president for a year. The San Diego region only allows you to be president for one year. There are other regions that will say you can be president as long as people vote for you, but in San Diego, we change it all the time, so you get uh, through through blood going through the system, different people, different ideas. So the first time was in 2008, and then again in... You mean 98? Sorry. 
sorry, 98. 98. 98. Yeah, sorry, 98. Then again in 2015, then again probably about three years ago. So it's a voluntary position, but uh, you have to be elected by the club to get onto the board. And once you're on the board, the people volunteer to be president. And uh, it's interesting because there's some surprises in the club which you wouldn't think of. You think, oh, I'd like to be president of the Porsche Club because of the status, etc. What I found is when you're a president of a volunteer organisation like that, the hardest part of the job is you can have friends and buddies who are realistic and honest. You can have somebody who gets a, a burr under his saddle, shall I say, and starts saying, well, I demand this, and how come he, and I never, and you always, and stuff like that. And you have to, the hardest part of the job as president, I thought, was you have to go to your buddy and say, look, buddy, this other guy's being completely unreasonable, so I'm going to give you a token, I'm going to call in my mark or whatever it is, and say, just let him have it, let him get on with it. Which is frustrating, because you've got guys who are being unreasonable, and you've got a buddy of yours, and you have to calm your buddy down and say, just let him go, let him think he's winning or whatever. Um, but apart from that, it's really fun. It's a chance to get out and drive your car, and that's what I'm about. There are a lot of people like to join the Porsche Club because of wine tasting and cocktail hour and cars and coffee and all that kind of stuff, which I think is kind of showing your car to everyone else. But I like it for myself. I like driving it for me. I agree. I, I like the club because it's so... Um, it's diverse. So like he says, if you want to go up and drink wine and, and sit in a parking lot, look at somebody else's freaking car, you can't. Or if you want to take your car up to the track and drive it, you can't. If you want to autocross it every week or every month, you can't. If you want to go on backcountry tours, you can. So, or you can do it all, you know, you don't have to do anything. And to me, that's always the fun of it because you can just pick and choose and it's always a great group of people. Um, I'll just it's always, it's a it's always a great group of people that show up at these events, and, and you always seem it's such a big club. No matter what you go to, you're always going to meet somebody because uh, you're never going to know everybody. Um, it's like we did the wine thing last weekend, and you know I knew a few people, but you meet new people, um, and it was fun. That was good because we got to go on Lyon Valley Road, so that was a good drive going up there and coming back. So at least we got a little bit of a drive out of it. Um, and I always enjoy that. So people have said to me in the past, why Porsche? Why do you have a Porsche? You know, there's all kind of jokes about people who have Porsches and all that kind of stuff. And I believe what the most honest advert I've ever seen for Porsche was a poster they put out. It said, they're like children. I thought, what? And it shows a picture of a Porsche and underneath it says, until you've had one, you don't understand. That sounds very elitist and very dramatic, but... In my, my, what I do is I drive a Porsche for me, not for everyone else. I don't care what everyone else thinks. I don't care. But once you drive one, I learned two things about the first time I drove a Porsche. Most people say one of two things. They say, man, it corners like it's on rails. Yeah. Or they say, that thing is, is so capable. It's unbelievable. And the reason for that is because Porsche design cars to give you feedback. <coughs> the secret of a Porsche is feedback. They all give you as much feedback as they possibly can. Whereas some cars tend to isolate you from the road so you glide along in luxury. That's not what driving is about. So most people, the first time they drive a Porsche, they're surprised because it tells you everything that's going on. And once you start getting that feedback, you become a better driver. I really believe that. And as you get more and more interested in it, you get more and more attached to it. And that is a way to appreciate the car in terms of driving it. Whereas if you buy something like people buy a Ferrari, 
It's great to make a statement. I've arrived. It's great to have, hey, everybody, look at me. That's why a lot of Ferraris are convertible, so people can see them. But to me, it's not about what everyone else thinks about it. Once you've driven one a couple of times, you think, man, I got to get one of these. Yeah, I agree. And it, and like you and I have talked about, just the difference in the models of Porsches. Just because you drive one model of Porsche, if you drive another model of of Porsche, there's definitely a differential. Um, you know, and I've spent, so not that I, so I am not a, a track guy. I've done a little bit of autocrossing, but I've done, I think quite a bit of driving, but I know that I know what my limitations are and I'm smart enough that I will either ride with somebody like Keith, a, a former senior driving instructor or Mike Brown or Rick Richardson and either have them ride with me or switch off so that I can get you, you, you get the education of driving your car with somebody that could drive a car a lot better than you. And once again, that falls back into the club and nobody is arrogant about it. Um, if you're not driving well, they're going to tell you, you know, why don't you do this? And why don't you lift off here? And, and, you know, it's good feedback as you're driving your vehicles. And I, of course, I'm all for that. Um, I'm not one just to hop in a car and drive like a douchebag and wreck my car because that's not going to happen. But, you know, I am also know that I'm not as good a driver as the rest of them, so I'm always learning so that I can become a better driver. Um, and two things, better driver for me and safety for other around you because, of course, driving fast is fun, but driving fast and reckless is stupid. Um, and when we go out on our tours... Um, we're always very mindful about, you know, doing a driver's brief and talking about not stopping in the corners. And, you know, if you have an issue that, that everybody doesn't pull over just one or two people, if that, and, you know, don't drive reckless, uh, bottom line and, you know, get on with it. So that, that to me is always a big part too. There's another part of San Diego region which a lot of people don't know about. If you are fortunate enough to be in a position where you buy a Porsche, not everybody knows exactly how to drive their particular car the best it can be driven. Um, what you can do is San Diego region are famous for having a performance driving school. And even if you've been driving like 25 years, 30 years, whatever, if you go in this performance driving school, they'll put you in your car in positions where you think, wow, I didn't even know the car could do that. I've had several people who said, I've had this Porsche for 20 years and I had no idea it would do some of the stuff I had you doing it. And it'll teach you things like skid recovery, it'll teach you things like emergency stops, it'll teach you things like clean and overtaking and stuff like that. So whether you decide to go on to track work, racing or road crossing, it doesn't matter. It just makes you closer to your car. So I think Yeah, and that's a that's a I've gone to that school and I I, I want to go back. I think they're doing it again here in the next couple months. Yes, they are. Uh, I think March is the next one. Today, yeah. Today I need to look January. at that and see if it's not sold out. I, I probably need to take the I, it'd be fun to take the Cayman and do it. I'd really like Stacy to do it, but she won't do it. Well, be careful because I was in the same position several years ago. I bought a Porsche, and my missus came along and drove with me at autocross, and she was always at a second and a half, two seconds behind me, and gradually she got closer and closer. And then one day, purely because she drove better than I did that day, she beat me. Well, once she beat me, I got so much stick from all the other guys because I was chief driving instructor at the time. So I said to her half-jokingly, well done, great job. 
get your own damn Porsche. And you know what? She did. And she went all across him with that, and she beat me again. So that just shows that if you what, want to... What kind can, of car... What did she? What did Martha have? She had a 944, and I was in a, a, an 80s 911. But the problem was I knew she was getting closer to me, so I was driving harder and faster and pushing it and pushing it. And of course, the closer you get to the limit, the more time you spend at the limit, the more chances you are of spinning out. So... Anyway, she went on to, to win her class in, in autocross that year. And after that, she was president of San Diego region for a year. So she's been president as well. Really? Yeah. What year was she president? Um, I think it was around 2002, something like that. Really? And when did she sell her in Porsche? She just sold her Porsche about four years ago. But she had a 944, which is a front-engine Porsche. And, uh, yeah, she really enjoyed it. But it was, at that time, I had... Uh, in my personal life, my daughter used to come and stay with me every other weekend. And one weekend, my daughter was staying with me. Whenever she stayed, I never used to go to the track. But one morning, it was about five in the morning, I remember looking out the window of the house, and there's my significant other in her Porsche, all excited because she's just got a guard transmission, limited slip diff, and a new crash helmet. She was going off to go to the track for the weekend, and I was staying at home looking after the kids. So that's why I was cautioning Mike about be careful when you say I want to get the missus involved because you suddenly find that she turns out to be just as good if not better she's, than you. She's gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I it just it. I don't think she'd ever do it. I'd like her to do it, but I don't think she ever will. She she just told me she wants to. I never say that she doesn't know how to drive a stick. So we always just like to say she needs to refresh her memory on driving a stick. Absolutely. So. Um, the other day we were driving, or we were talking about it, and she brought it up. She says, oh, you know, I should probably, however she worded it, go and practice. And I go, certainly. Where, where would you like to do that at? Well, because there's no big parking lot around here. And, I, and she goes, oh, up on a hill, there's a, a nice long stretch of road that nobody really drives on. I go, perfect. When do you want to go? Now? Oh, no, no, I don't want to go now. Okay, so when? I don't know. I, I, I got to work into it. Okay, so the other day we're coming home and we're in the Cayman and we had time. I go, Stace, do you want to hit that road and, you know, give it a little, uh, no, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm, I'm quite ready. I go, well, you know, you got you to gotta pull the Band-Aid off at some point. Well, I don't want to hurt the car. I go, you ain't going to hurt this car. It's probably the easiest clutch you're ever going to drive in your life, so you're you're not going to hurt it. Uh, but yeah, I want to get her at least to drive that car. She'll drive the Turbo S, not a lot, but she likes drive. That's the beauty of that car. Like they say, you can either put it on the track, which I never would, or you can go get groceries in a damn thing because it's just that easy to drive. And uh, she she'll drive it. She enjoys it, and she can get the seat. You know, that's for her. Seat's got to go up, forward as far as it'll go, and up as high as it'll go. And Porsches. Uh, at least for her, have broke the code on her being able to sit in a car and drive it. Even the SUV, the Macan, she really likes that Macan. I think, I think she'll, even though I know she says she's not in a hurry to get a car, which is fine, I think when she finally makes that decision, it'll be a Macan of some sort. Um, but anyhow. So talk to us a little bit about the... British Car Club. How did you? We haven't even talked about your other your other beautiful car. Well, the other car I have is an Aston Martin, 
it's I tough have, to be Keith if you I, haven't noticed. I had a V8. I have a V8 Vantage, and uh, it all started where a chap from the Porsche Club. Um, he didn't have a Porsche, but he came along and he drove my GT3, and he said, "Wow, this is great fun. I really like this car." And he had an Aston Martin, so we used to go out in the backcountry roads, not with a Porsche Club. And I drove his Aston Martin. I thought, wow, I really like the way this handles. And he drove my Porsche and said the same. So I thought, well, I'm going to start looking. And, you know, a couple of years later, a lot of searching, a lot of checking out cars, I bought an Aston Martin. And I thought, right, I'm going to invite this guy, Steve Thompson, over and uh, show him my Aston Martin. But I'll keep it a secret, kept it a surprise. So I had it cleaned in detail and got it all uh, serviced up, maintained. It was great. New tyres, the works. And I invited Steve to come over. And uh, he says, yeah, I'll come over whatever day. And he came over, pulls up outside. Guess what? He says, this is my new Porsche. So I bought an Aston Martin and he bought a Porsche. So now we both got Porsche and Aston Martins. But anyway, I love this Aston Martin so much. I joined the local Aston Martin club because I want to do drives. I want to drive on the backcountry roads. And I volunteered to help be on the board with the Aston Martin club here in San Diego. And uh, it worked out really well. So I, I organized all the drives through the backcountry. And then we had a concour here in San Diego for the British Car Club Council. San Diego British Car Club Council. And uh, they said, all right, we're holding this concourse by the airport. And there was every kind of British car you can think of. There was, La- was Rolls-Royce, there was Aston Martin, there was Jaguar, Land Rover, Austin, MG, Triumph, all the cars you can think of. It was really fun. I met some really nice guys. Most of these guys are not hardcore racing drivers or flat-out country. They toodle around at the weekends and have lots of fun. They really enjoy their cars. Well, it just turned out that the Concours I went to, the president of San Diego British Car Club Council, they've been doing this for seven years, and she said she was thinking about packing in for health reasons. So she said, would I be interested in taking over? So I said, sure, I'll give it a bash. And I I volunteered. So now I'm currently president of San Diego British Car Club Council. We have two events a year. It's easy to to work on. Unlike the Porsche Club with like 40 events a year. The two (laughs) events a year is one is a British car, rolling British car day. where We all drive from all points around Southern California to one place and have a huge picnic. It's really good. It's very informal. There's no judging. It's not a car show per se. We just have a picnic. It's a chance to drive your car with all the other British cars. And the second event we have, usually in the last part of the year, around September, October, is we have a grand car show. And this is a show, but there's no judging. So last year, uh, 2023, it was in August, and it was on Coronado Island. And we had 205 entries. And because Aston Martin was the featured mark car the president of SDBCC was driving. Mm. Uh, we had 50 Aston Martins, which was quite remarkable. So That's I don't, a lot of Aston Martins. I don't know if you've ever seen one parking lot with 50 Aston Martins in it, but it was quite spectacular. So I'm hoping to use my Aston with the San Diego British Car Club Council as well as the Aston Martin Club. And uh, every now and then I go out and play with the guys with the Porsche. So as you can tell, I love cars. I spend a lot of time driving. I don't spend a lot of time you know, all the other stuff, but that's what I like to do. I like to drive for me, not because I want everyone else to see. And what about your, uh, I'll call it your daily driver? 
Well, my daily driver is basically, it's like a Volkswagen Golf. If you looked at it, 99% of people say it's a Volkswagen Golf, but it's called an R32. It's a 3.2 liter narrow angle V6 racing engine. It's in the VWs, but it's normally aspirated. The Golf has always been a small four cylinder engine with turbochargers on it. What that means is when you stir it up and you rev it up through the gears about four or 5,000 RPM, it comes on song, and for the last 1,000 RPM, it's a rocket. However, this VR6 is normally aspirated, so it doesn't have turbo lag, and it goes from the start. It's like, looks like a Golf, but it's got 250 horsepower. So it gives a lot of people in Caymans and Boxsters a surprise because they think they're going to blow away that little Golf, but they don't. It stays up with them. It's a nice car. It's got a hell of a sound to it. Yeah, it's completely stock. Everything in the car is stock. In fact, most of my cars are stock, except the GT3, which I put the RS wing on. So if you ever see my black car with yellow wheels, you'll notice it's got a big wing on the back, and that's the wing that goes on the RS version of the GT3. Mine is not a GT3. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, I, uh, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to, oh, you're come, very welcome. to come talk to us about Porsche, Porsche things, Porsche cars, you're very welcome. British uh, Car Club. When is your next British Car Club uh, event? There's going to be in April of 2024. It's the day before tax base, <laughs> April 13th. We are taking the, the rolling British car day, which is for anyone, anywhere who has a British car. You're welcome to come along with you in a club or not. Just come along. We'll, what we'll do is we'll issue it on TV and on newspapers and stuff, say, going for a drive. And we'll issue, there's two starting points in San Diego. You jump in your car and you follow a bunch of guys. We head off up to the mountains and go and find a picnic spot. So that's in April. And then in September, oh, sorry, October 6th is going to be the Concorde down on Colorado. And even if you don't have a British car, I would recommend just coming down and take a look at it. You can come down for like half an hour. It's free parking, free event, no cost to Joe Public. And you'll see all kinds of stuff. It'll remind you of when you were young and driving MGs or Triumphs or whatever it was you drove if you ever had a British car. Yeah, and I uh, my associ- I never really associated with... I was part of the Aston Club because I owned a, uh, uh, a V12 Vantage S, um, Aston Martin. It was a 2015. Phenomenal I had a, car, phenomenal. It was a beautiful car, but it, once again, it kind of like your RS. It never got driven sitting here in the shop. I was always afraid that Either it was going to get hit or it was going to go in the ditch. And uh, it was just too pretty. It was too pretty to drive, unfortunately. Um, so uh, even though I loved the sound of that V12 and, the, and that exhaust system and everything on that was stock, I hated the seats. Had them damn race freaking... Um, uh, Bucket seats. Yeah, but the, what's that material? The um, it's, it, it, Alcantara. Alcantara. Oh, God almighty. Yeah, those those look fantastic when they're new. Yeah, they look nice, but when you're sitting in them, you can't move. Right. You're stuck. It's like Velcro. It is. And Stacy used to sit on a... She would sit on a, a cushion because the seat was uncomfortable, and she always felt she was too low in the car. So she would sit on a damn cushion... So she could see over the dash, and it so she'd be comfortable in a car. And the other thing, I mean, I love the car, but the two things that were were takeaways were the seat and that freaking black top 
it would get so hot in there. You didn't dare park that car without any kind of windshield screen on it because it was just going to be like a freaking greenhouse in there. Also, Aston Martin are famous for covering everything they can in leather, which is wonderful if you're in England. But if you're in Southern California, you park your car for like two hours and you come back and you find the leather is split and peeling and yeah. cracking, drying up. I had to have the leather dash. When I bought that car, it had a... Um, it had a bubble in the passenger side above the uh, the uh, jockey box. And um, I had the dealership. I paid them to have the leather guy come in and fix that. Uh, did a nice job. You could never tell it was screwed up after he fixed it. But um, I remember I loved that car. And I remember I took it in for service at one time. And uh, the mechanic's underneath it. And he says, oh, did you notice this oil? And I'm like, no. Well, that oil drop turned into, and I didn't pay for it. Thank God it had a good a good maintenance warranty on it. That turned into a $9,900 repair. They had to drop the whole rear end on the car to fix one little piece of crap O-ring or some shit up in the shifter. Uh, but after that, I was like, mm. between the insurance and paying for that maintenance warranty, I was like, that's 700 a month for a car sitting in the shop that is not going anywhere. So then I sold it. I bring a, bring a trailer, and it was it went good enough. Um, I don't know where it's at today. Hopefully being taken care of, but I doubt it. So anyhow, so uh, our next volume of Shop Talk, or excuse me, Talk Shop, I don't know who the guest is going to be. It might be John Hickman from the Alpine Chamber of Commerce and um, – He's a car guy also. He works on cars, resells them. Interesting cat to uh, chat with. So remember, this will be posted um, as a link on our weekly newsletter and our weekly Friday email that goes out. And that will take you to the website where you can log on or go on and sign up for either an email to get the newsletter, which will include the newsletter, the podcast, and a... And a little something special for you that uh, subscribe to it. Maybe a discount on a detail or cup of soup or who knows what. I don't know what will be in there. But make sure you check out our website, BlossomValleyDetailing.com. We've got uh, we've got blogs. We've got uh, pictures. We've got you can make an appointment for a whatever you want done. Keith, feel free to talk. For those of you who aren't uh, chronologically gifted, the man here said he's an interesting cat. That's what they used to say in the 60s. It means he's a cool dude. Cool dude. So, um, yeah, check out the website. Check out the newsletter. Uh, check out the podcast for sure. This is all new. We're, we're still in the infancy of doing this. Uh, we're eventually going to do video with these. Hopefully when John does his, because he's more technically savvy than me, that he can put the video together with the audio, which I can't do. I just learned through my marketing consultant, that there is a program, and I did it yesterday, you can download this whole podcast and it'll transcribe it. It's simply amazing. And you can put that in chat GPT and ask it to summarize it. Oh, excellent. And it did. It summarized the first uh, podcast for me so I could put it in the show notes. Nice. It's just, the, the technology is just amazing. So anyhow, this has been volume two. Thank you, Keith, for joining us. My pleasure. And remember... Blossom Valley Detailing is here for all your detailing needs.